This episode is brought to you by The Thinkery in Austin, Texas. The Thinkery is where Austin's children and their families come to enjoy play-based, inquiry-rich, hands-on learning experiences. Thinkery's hands-on educational approach and interactive exhibits support the development of children's educational curiosity and social-emotional development. Their mission is to create innovative learning experiences that equip and inspire the next generation of creative problem solvers. In these current times, the Thinkery has taken into consideration social distancing, and they are currently open Thursday through Sunday each week for Path to Play, a 90-minute exhibit exploration experience that allows small groups to learn and play while maintaining proper social distancing and maintaining interaction with other guests. Check out their website at thinkeryaustin.org for tickets and available dates. But if you're still concerned about your health and safety, consider checking out their website as they have a lot of great videos and tools online for free. They also have an online store that you can purchase different activities for your children and family to enjoy. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Moon Tower Business Podcast. This is your host, Joseph O'Bell, and today we're speaking with Brian St. George, the president of Keystone Bank. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Joseph. Good, good. Uh, Brian, uh, before we kind of get into what, what uh, Keystone Bank, uh, the kind of services you offer, et cetera, uh, maybe just tell listeners a little bit about yourself, your, your background and experiences before becoming president of uh, Keystone Bank. Sure. Yep. Happy to. Um, so I've kind of always been a, a finance guy through through school and uh, the early start to my career. Uh, e- even today, it's hard. I don't always consider myself a banker, which I guess at this point I probably need to get comfortable with. But um, uh, as I said, I kind of always started on the finance side. Uh, right out of college, I jumped into uh, starting a mortgage brokerage in Southern California, um, which uh, was fun at the time and led to a lot of opportunities. It, it didn't quite fulfill everything I wanted to do. And so quickly after that, I, I started working with some family offices and, and placing uh, private money, hard money on uh, real estate deals. And that was more fun. Um, and that's actually what brought me to Austin, Texas. Some of the family offices I was working with wanted to start investing in Central Texas. And uh, my girlfriend, now wife, Jenny, um, had, had come to a swim meet at UT and, and, and just had fallen in love. And so it was an easy ask. Uh, that was about no six. We came out to Austin, Texas, and um, it didn't quite work expanding the company I had in Southern California. I, I quickly ran for corporate shelter over at Wachovia, where I took a commercial lending job and, and, and got some formal credit training. And uh, learned a little bit more about banking. I quickly realized that a, a big bank um, is not where I wanted to be and uh, found a community bank in town, Pioneer Bank, that was kind of the, the perfect middle road between being self-employed and um, working for a large uh, international uh, corporation. And so it's been great, you know, a place where you can, even at a, uh, some of the roles uh, within a bank as you're kind of growing up, be able to impact the bottom line and have real uh, say in the decisions that are made. And that's kind of how I fell in love with community banking. Um, and then fast forward to 2018 into 2018 when we kind of ended up putting Keystone together and launching that and got to get the chance to do my own. So it, it's been a fun ride. Very nice. So it's 2018 is when, in, uh, when you got involved. It went, did Keystone Bank get started around that time? 
Yeah, the end of 2018, October of 2018 is October 15th is when we officially launched. Gotcha. And so talk about the locations. I know I think there's a, a couple in Austin and there's some another one somewhere else as well, I believe. Yep, Ballinger, Texas. Uh, so we've got three locations total. We've got one out in Bee Cave um, that, that's uh, close to you. And, and then we've got one in Ballinger, Texas, and we've got one uh, downtown Austin over at the Heartland Plaza, although we're in transition. Um, so when you start a bank, there are kind of two different ways you can do that. You can um, start one from scratch, which is referred to as a de novo bank. Uh, you know, you raise a bunch of money with investors and uh, you go through the regulatory process and it can take, I can take a pretty prolonged period of time 12 months, 18, 24 months, depending on how long it takes you to go through the, the necessary steps. Um, the other option is to buy an existing bank, buy a platform bank. And that's what we did to start Keystone. We bought Ballinger National Bank. Um, and that's why we have a branch out there. Um, and that, you know, there's pros and cons to each, but for us, that ended up being a, a really good move. We got to um, buy an existing bank, was already making a little bit of money, had all the infrastructure in place. And uh, the day we opened our doors, uh, we were we already had some revenue. And so, the, you know, um, some of the systems you have to rebuild and some of the things you have to redo. Uh, but overall, it was a really good move for us and allowed us to really leverage the existing team and grow day one. And then uh, shortly, shortly thereafter, there was a transaction going on. Um, Veritex Bank out of Dallas was buying Green Bank out of Houston and Green Bank had a downtown Austin location. Uh, for whatever reason, Veritex Bank has decided to focus on Dallas and Houston and didn't have much interest in the Austin market. And so we at Keystone, we put in an offer to buy the branch, um, the Green Bank downtown branch, which is over in the Heartland Plaza. Uh, it took a little while, but we ended up pulling that off. And um, so that's how we got our downtown branch. But, and, and that's actually in transition right now. Our lease expired at the end of the year, and we found a really cool spot, the old tacos and tequila site at Fifth and Pressler. And mm -hmm. we're in the middle of renovations right now. We should open by the end of this quarter, uh, if not really April, uh, but really excited about what we're doing there. We're working with some good local groups, and I think it's going to be a fun uh, banking concept uh, there at Fifth and Pressler. Very nice. So I think most folks are, I mean, familiar with the with the traditional service that a, that a bank provides, you know, a checking account, a savings account for an individual, uh, same thing for a business, but can you kind of uh, dive into kind of the different services that Keystone Bank offers uh, individuals and businesses? Yeah. Um, you know, different types of banks out there and some banks, they'll, they'll discover a niche and they'll exploit it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, more power to you. Um, for us as a community bank, we found it very valuable to be more generalist. And what we try to do is find people that we like, people that we trust and follow them into their endeavors. And so that takes us into some pretty, pretty fun spots. As a banker, it's great because no two days are the same. Um, get to meet a lot of different people. But so, so we really try not to create this box or a lot of defined offerings. We try to have more ability to craft a product to the person or the business. And so that's kind of the approach we try to take with our customers. That being said, I mean, we offer all the traditional products, whether you know it's a, it's a checking account for uh, uh, a child to help build a savings account. It's a personal savings account, a personal money market account, uh, treasury management for your business, um, savings for your business, CDs. I mean, we've got the full product offering, but, but I think where we really stand apart is 
taking the time to meet people one-on-one, trying to understand what they need and crafting a solution that, that delivers that need. It's, it's really not about the bank or you know what works for us. It's really about the customer. I, I think that sometimes is lost in banking. Gotcha. Um, the ABJ recently, I, I believe, uh, put out an article that ranked you number two uh, in terms of helping businesses uh, obtain PPP loans. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and, uh, and your role in, in, the, in basically helping businesses with that respect? Yeah. And I, so I think you're right. We were ranked number two. Uh, I think for market share that we were actually ranked number one pound for pound. Um, we actually outperformed our market share, I think more than anybody else, which was, I mean, like, like we just t- talked about, we, we launched the bank at the end of 2018. We, we were, we had the ability to shift resources when this, this, this need came up, um, which again, which is kind of the, the hallmark of a community bank, right? Being able to help the community out. And so there's just kind of this perfect intersection, right? Last downturn, banks were getting pointed out as one of the main causes and rightfully so for the downturn. Um, it, it's, it, I love that the next downturn that occurs, you know, the, the government calls on banks to try to help during the downturn, which I think is amazing. And so we were more than happy. We were eager to do our part um, and, and we thought it really was what we were made for. And um, so we kind of took the approach. A lot of banks took the approach where they were just going to help their customers. And if, 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 they're, if the person that asked them for a PPP loan or access to the program wasn't one of their customers, they were going to um, kind of shun them and, and have them go a different direction. We, we decided to take the opposite approach. We thought, what an incredible opportunity to help our community out and get to know more people. And so we, we ended up doing 87% of the ended up being 611 PPP loans. We did the first round, 87% of those were new customers to the bank. So just, just a general idea of kind of how many new people we got to meet. Um, and at the end of the day, if, if a community bank is not here to help support the community and lift them up in time of need, I, you know, I'm not sure what they're there for them. Very good. Um, can you give a little, just kind of a summary of the, the, the PPP program and the CARES Act um, and kind of like, you know, when it got started and, and what, where it's at now, what's available to businesses at this point? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, 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 think, I think we got this right. I mean, I, I think getting money in, in, in the actual business's hands directly was a, mo- was a good move this round rather than having it, um, you know, go to nameless, faceless corporations that, you know, the, the, the consumer never really sees. Being able to help these small business, whether it's a sole proprietor where the only employee they have is themselves or, you know, the businesses that we know and love the local businesses we know and love here in Austin, Texas. Um, I, I think they got that right. I think the delivery method of banks was great. We were, already had the infrastructure set up. Uh, it made a lot of sense. I give a lot of credit for the design of the product and the, and the financial backing. I mean, that's not an insignificant amount of money that we've thrown at uh, this downturn. Um, as, as far as what's available now, you know, we, we just kicked off the second draw of the PPP loans. We had at Keystone, we had access starting on Friday to the SBA's new system. Um, other banks, banks over a billion dollars in asset, side, asset size had access starting on Monday. And so we've been able to get a head start. Um, I think we've already, I was looking at the numbers before the call. I think as of, you know, an hour ago, we've got about 23 million of uh, requests for second draws into the system and approved. And so we're gonna keep keep going forward as much as we can with that and taking the same approach. You know, Whether or not you're a Keystone Bank customer today, give us a call, we're here to help. Happy to get you access. Awesome, getting a little bit more into the weeds uh, on, the, on the PPP um, loans. What, what kind of businesses are eligible right now? Well, yeah, so one big difference from the first from, from the first round to the second draw, uh, as they're naming it, um, was that you have to demonstrate a 25% decline in revenue 
uh, year over year. And so that that's, and I think that's a smart move, right? It's really trying to focus the funds on businesses that have, that can demonstrate uh, a loss in revenue. And so that, that's the big difference. And then um, some industries like hospitality, restaurants, they're able to actually qualify for more this round because they've been identified as, as uh, types of businesses that have been more dramatically uh, hurt. And so that, that, that's an added bonus. Um, but uh, really the, the, big, the big factor is that 25% decline in revenue. Is there, is there a limit or is there, I mean, is it just a one-time thing or can, can businesses apply to, to get this, these types of loans more than once? Oh yeah. Good question. So yeah, the, the part of the point of that, of that, the second draw, the one that was just released last week, um, that is for, uh, that, that the new, uh, guidelines for that allow a second draw. So these are for people that already maybe realized, uh, some help on the first round, they're able to come back and get some more help on the second round. That's right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and is there, I mean, what's, what's the limit on a dollar amount they can, they can apply for on this? Yep. So, so the first round, there was a $10 million cap. Um, this round, I think they really wanted these dollars to go into the hands of more businesses if possible. And so they, they capped it at $2 million. Um, and so there's a $2 million cap on this round. And then my understanding is that uh, there's, in some cases, uh, some of these loans or par- parts of these loans can be forgiven. Yep. Um, and can you talk about that? And I think, uh, I guess the dollars have to be cert- spent in a certain way in order to that, for that to happen. Yep. Um, and, and so that's the idea. If, if these funds are used correctly, which is primarily to, to payroll um, for payroll purposes, then uh, they would be 100 percent forgiven. And so that's, you know, how often is there this opportunity for businesses to have access to essentially uh, money that does not need to be repaid if it's used properly? And, and, and there's a calculation there. Um, but but the, the basic idea is that the money needs to be used to payroll, keeping your employees hired, uh, keeping them at uh, the same level of pay and um, continue to operate the business. That, that's really what it comes down to, the idea of the, of, of the program. Keep, keep businesses afloat, keep paying people. Um, and, and you know that, that's really the idea behind the program and uh, what you need to do to achieve full forgiveness. In terms of businesses that are applying for these loans, like can a sole proprietorship uh, apply for something like this? Yep, yep, oh, no, yep, that's exactly right. So I, uh, you know, as long as on the second round, as long as you can demonstrate a 25% decline in revenue, um, then, then you'd be eligible. And, and for the smaller loans, it's, it's, it's as simple as attesting to it. So for the larger loans, you've got to provide documentation to show the 25% decline. But it, um, even the smaller ones, you may be asked to show the documentation of the decline later when you go request forgiveness. And so that, that, that's something that I think everybody's got to realize you really need, do need to be able to demonstrate a decline. And that's, that's where the funds were intended to go. Gotcha. I, I've heard a lot of stories about businesses in, in Austin have been affected by um, shutdowns and restrictions due to COVID um, that have been suffering and just like everywhere else in the country. Can you talk about maybe one or two stories you've heard from, from businesses you've dealt with and, and how they're struggling, uh, you know, dealing with these restrictions, with the coronavirus? Yeah. Two, two stories come. I mean, there's so many, but two come to mind right away. Um, in the first round, there was a, uh, a, a woman that had started, you know, had recently, um, within the last two years had started her own business and more retail in nature. And, um, you know, she was really struggling. She wasn't able to open at that time. She, she couldn't actually open her doors for business. And she had been trying um, to get access to the PPP program with her current bank. Uh, she had reached out to three or four other banks and she kept getting a no. And um, she was eventually put in touch with our chairman, CEO, Jeff Wilkinson, and uh, Jeff made the call, like, and this, Jeff's so good at this. He made the call. 
he, he just circled the wagons, grabbed the team. That same day, um, we accepted her application. She thought she was going to get declined again. You know, she, she four or five times she'd been through this, been declined. She actually called her employees that morning and told them, I can't pay you anymore. I'm sorry if something changes. I'll call you back, but don't come to work anymore. But we, we, I can't operate. Same day we received the application, we actually processed it, approved it, funded it for her. She was, she called us, I think she documented on social media. I mean, tears of joy. She was able to call her employees back, say, no, come on back. We can, you know, Keystone Bank was able to get this to us today. You know, you still have a job. And so, I mean, I think that it's that kind of stuff that really makes it worthwhile and kind of paints the picture of, of what's been occurring. The other one is a, is a, a pretty well-known barbecue joint in town. Same thing. I mean, I don't, it wasn't quite as dire, but they made the call to us today, tears of joy again. Uh, one of my bankers was telling me this morning um, that they, you know, if it wasn't for our help along the way, access to the program and some other things we've done for them, they're not sure they would have a business today. And so it's just, I mean, you hear countless stories like this. And I think a lot of banks, not just Keystone, have really done their job in supporting the local economy. That's right. I mean, a lot of it's, it's sometimes you forget a lot of people's lives and, and livelihoods depend on, on uh, these businesses running smoothly and, and, and having revenue coming in. Yeah. I mean, we're no different, right? We're, we're just a small business too. So, I mean, we're helping our, I mean, it's just, it's one of our friends. It's one of our families, our neighbors. I mean, it's, it, we're all, we're all in it together. Absolutely. Um, what, what's the typical processing time for, for one of these? I know you talked about these, you, you, you kind of sound like you streamlined these and got these through pretty quickly, but in a typical situation, uh, what, what's your, what do you typically see for a uh, turnaround time? Yeah, we, we've got, there's a team and, and we've actually, the, the team has scaled down the second round because we've been able to utilize a little bit more technology, but there's a team of folks at the bank that have just gone above and beyond. I mean, they're working all day and night, just hammering through these. Um, and I think we started receiving applications. We sent out the application on Thursday in advance of the portal opening for us on Friday. And um, I don't have the number in front of me, but we were already funding some of those first initial uh, loans that are coming in. And so, I, I, and I think it'll probably get, We'll get even more streamlined with this new technology, but we can make them happen pretty fast. And, and this time it's, it, it's actually, the process actually is a little bit from the SBA side, it takes a little bit more time. The first round, as soon as you submit it in the SBA system, you immediately, or you should have immediately gotten an approval. Sometimes the system got bogged down, but immediately no verification. This go round, you submit it and you have to wait for a manual SBA approval because they're doing a little bit of vetting behind the scenes. And that can take up to a day or two but even with that uh, change in the process, we're still able to get them through the system very fast. Gotcha. Um, you know, with uh, with COVID going on right now, have you heard, um, you know, things, ha- the the number of COVID cases, et cetera, um, with, with what's going on and the new administration coming in, have you heard anything, any kind of rumors about how long this program is going to be available into the future? I know that that's, that's a, that's a big topic. I think, I think ultimately it'll be as long as the funds last. And so with the larger financial institutions opening up early this week, um, we'll probably start seeing some numbers towards the end of this week on how quickly the funds are being depleted. I, I think the program had an end date of March 31st, but, but I think everybody expects funds to run out sooner than that. So, so, I mean, the message should be get at, call your banker. If, if they can't help you out, call me, and um, we'll be happily get you access, but I don't know for sure. And I don't, I hate saying that because it kind of, it kind of creates panic and people rushing, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's an unknown thing. We don't, we don't know when the funds are going to run out at this point. Understood. Um, so, so how did 
COVID-19 affect Keystone Bank in terms of like, I guess, business and then just a day-to-day operations? Yeah. Um, well, the, I mean, honestly, the biggest impact for, for the bank staff, I mean, it came in spurts, but, but shifting focus and shifting resources to handle PPP was, was a huge part of um, the effect on the bank. Uh, you know, some, some larger banks, when these kind of things happen, they focus on their primary markets. And still, even though the growth and um, all the national exposure Austin gets for a lot of financial institutions, Austin is at best a secondary market and a lot of times a tertiary market. And so um, when times start to slow down and things get a little bit tough, you see the natural thing is to pull back. And so for the handful of us local banks that are actually headquartered here in Austin, it, it was a big opportunity to go help out some folks that weren't getting attention from their current banks. And so we tried to focus on that. Um, but, you know, it, it introduced a layer of risk that wasn't there before. And so that was something we had to consider. Um, but, you know, I, I think I always I think you can choose how you want to react to things in life. And in, in every challenge, there's always opportunity. And so I think we tried to take that approach. You know, how can we turn this in to an opportunity for our customers, um, help the bank out and really support uh, Austin? And so that's what we try to do. That's kind of the mentality we try to we try to we try to use with every challenge we face. Very good. Very good. Um, in terms of marketing, uh, um, how do you get the word out about uh, Keystone Bank typically? Uh, do you advertise and what do you typically do? Yeah, um, that, that's a good question, right? I mean, that's, that's an evolve. The answer to that, I think, is evolving and it's maybe evolving at a faster pace today than it has been in the past. Before it used to be, you know, you, you would take the approach of putting a, a bank branch on every corner. You'd get billboards. And, and, and But that we all know that that is not the way you're attracting customers, a lot of customers today. Um, what we've tried to do is um, what you call brand association. And so we've tried to find people, whether they're um, Keystone customers um, or investors in Keystone Bank or just prominent Austinites. Um, we've tried to uh, associate with them and, and help uh, leverage kind of the brand of Keystone along with some of the people that we know. I think that's been pretty big, um, but we're not a big, uh, you know, email blast, uh, cold calling type of salesy organization. We really try to provide value and then use word of mouth um, to get introduced to more people. That's kind of the approach we try to take. Understood. And can you talk about any future plans for Keystone and different offerings? Uh, uh, do you have uh, any plans to open up any uh, additional office spaces? I, I think, you, you know, kind of like the, the answer to marketing, I think that it's the whole, the, the, the branch concept, that's an evolving thing. You know, how much do you really need a vast branch network to be successful? Um, I think it's more about the people. What, you know, I think we're interested in finding really strong bankers and people, uh, bringing them into Keystone. And if, if that means we need to open a, a branch to support them in their market, I'd love to do that. Um, but I don't think, I don't think you open branches for the sake of opening branches anymore. I, I think that that's an antiquated model. I think it's all about people. So if they're, if we can attract the right talent, find the right bankers that want to be a part of what we're doing, want to help Austin's entrepreneurs, um, then giddy up. We'll, we'll, we'll bring them on board. Uh, if they need a branch to support them, great. Let's give them, give them the support that they need and watch them, watch them grow their market. Excellent. Um, switching gears a little bit. Uh, from a from a banker's perspective, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on on Bitcoin number one, and number two, your thoughts on uh, whether we're going to be seeing uh, central bank central bank digital currencies coming in the future. Man, that's a good question. Um, I 
I think it's a ways out, but I, I do think in this, I, I, this is my own personal opinion. So don't, I don't want any, but it's going too far. But my, my personal opinion is that the, the biggest threat to us being the world's economy is, is gotta be something that looks like Bitcoin. I, I don't see another country that really competes. I don't see an alternative with a, a, another nation that would really compete with the us as the world's currency. But I think the real risk is that there could be at some point, I think it's, it's pretty far off. I don't think we're close to it yet, but to me, you know, that's what I think about. And that, and that's that, you know, that's probably a couple steps away, but that's how I think about that. That, that I wonder if that, if a cryptocurrency could really become, you know, the world's general ledger um, in a, in a, you know, 10 years from now, or I don't know what the time frame is. Things move so fast these days and they seem like they've moved faster every, every year, but that's, that's kind of what I, th- those are some of my thoughts on that. Interesting. Yeah. I've been reading a couple of books on, on Bitcoin and, and the history of money. And it's kind of interesting to see the, the, the evolution of the history of money from uh, when, when currency was tied to, to gold and, and kind of how long it took to, to evolve in some of these steps and, and, uh, looking at Bitcoin, I mean, it's still relatively young. So, and yeah. digital currencies generally. So, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out over time. Yep, agreed. Yep. Um, so, getting getting towards the end of the conversation here, um, couple couple final questions for you. Um, number one is, what's your favorite restaurant in uh, Austin? Well, um, I think the, the the restaurant I like to go to most often, you know, the different categories for me, but um, I've, I've been really into Taco Flats. Uh, they opened one over a couple of years ago on West Lynn, close to uh, where, where I live. And um, their taco, the El Hippie, and add chicken to it is phenomenal. I, I'd recommend anybody try it out. That's, that's probably like just casual grab a bite. Um, that, that's, that's probably my go-to. Awesome. That sounds good. Um, I guess, and, and kind of closing, uh, what kind of uh, advice would you give to, to companies that are, are looking to get a PPP loan? Um, you know, should they come see you? Um, that, should they reach out in person? Should they look online on your website? And then how can folks find you online? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I, I love, I mean, I'm accessible. I'm, I'm not hiding. So my, you can call me directly 512-814-8585. That's my cell phone. Call me directly. I, I would be happy to get you access to the program. My email is brian, D-R-Y-A-N, at keystone.bank. And our website is uh, www.keystone.bank. Um, any of those methods. Uh, but uh, but I'd, if you don't have, if you're current, if you don't have a financial institution or they're just not returning your calls, please call me. I mean, I think this is what banks are here for and we'd be happy to help out. Awesome. Well, Brian, uh, thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, listeners, I encourage you to check out Keystone Bank online, uh, learn about what they're doing, uh, reach out to Brian, see if he can help you out and uh, hope to have you back on sometime. Thanks, Joseph. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Take care.